0: Please take out your Bibles tonight and turn to the Gospel according to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 if you would please. Luke 1. We're going to begin tonight in Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. The Greek term here is a root word or the root word shari or grace and this particular form of that word where it says highly favored one is only used twice in the New Testament. Grace occurs a lot of times but this particular form of the word and it means to make graceful, charming or lovely, to pursue with grace, to envelop with favor, or to honor with blessings. That is what the word means, and the only other time it is used is in Ephesians chapter one and verse six where it talks about, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed, that's that word, freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That is, we were given this this high favor or honored with blessings. And here in Luke chapter one, in that same verse, the angel says, "The Lord is with you." Similar to what the angel said to Gideon in Judges six twelve. You'll remember there that the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, the, "The Lord is with you." And Gideon's response was, "Well, if the Lord basically, if the Lord's with me or with us, then how come all this has happened?" And Mary's response is is somewhat similar, not quite, but there's this confusion. And the angel says to her, blessed are you among women. And the term blessed means to cause to prosper, to bestow blessings on, or to be favored by God. But Mary apparently didn't feel all that blessed or prosperous or honored right at this moment because verse 29 says, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. As I said, she didn't feel favored, or honored, or blessed, or prosperous. She felt troubled, she felt fearful, confused, until, until she accepted and sought to comprehend God's plan and purpose for her, despite the potential pain and problems it was going to put her through. Verse 30, After approximately 400 years of prophetic silence, God was going to act and fulfill his word. And he was going to act and fulfill his word through Mary to begin with. And as you think about that, what an awesome treasure, what an awesome treasure was about to be bestowed upon her by God. Although, she's still not quite sure how that's going to be accomplished, as we will see in the next few verses. 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. This same all-powerful God was going to do a similarly amazing thing, a similarly amazing and humanly impossible thing with her cousin Elizabeth. As we read in verses 36 and 7. He says, Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. So God is going to act, or has acted already in that situation as well. But what I want for us to see and key in on particular is verse 38. Verse 38 has a lot to do with the main point of our lesson tonight. And Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. What an incredible statement of faith she didn't understand everything that was going to happen she did not could not I don't think even begin to to think in her mind of, of everything that this decision was going to entail but notice her willingness to do whatever it was to be used by God however God wanted to use her what an incredible statement of faith remember if she before her marriage to Joseph if she is found to be pregnant number one Joseph can not marry her she'll be a marked woman for life in that society this could turn real real bad for her entire life real quick in it looking at it from a physical viewpoint but I I love her faith behold the maid servant of the Lord let it be done to me according to her God I'm yours use me however you see fit it is then that we see her travel on from this point to the house of her kinsman Elizabeth and Elizabeth confirms the awesome treasure that this blessed woman Mary is about to bring into the world through the providence of Almighty God. Look at verses 39 and following. Mary arose in those days, went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, Elizabeth tells Mary. Blessed verse 45 it says is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord and and we see it again another key verse verse 45 Elizabeth basically says and commands Mary and says blessed are you who believed for those things that God has promised you will be fulfilled Elizabeth spoke to Mary commending her and her faith through the Holy Spirit within Elizabeth and we see Mary's rejoicing as she suddenly began to realize just a little bit of this awesome treasure that she herself has been given by God. We see this in the next few verses. This may sound like a song we sing. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She begins to get some dawning of of what an awesome treasure she has been given by God. As we move on in in Luke's account, we move on to Luke chapter 2, we see the angels go to the shepherds. In verses 8 and following, we read this. Luke 2, 8 and following, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Time goes by, a little bit of time and and we come up to the manger scene, if you will, that we see starting in verse 16. They came with haste and found mary and joseph and the babe lying in a manger when they had seen him they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds key verse number three is luke 2:19. but mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart once again mary is marveling at these things that she's hearing about her baby. She's marveling at this awesome treasure that God had blessed and favored her with and all is right with the world for the moment. And I say it that way because this old world that we live in, as we well know, is marred with sin and strife and with pain and anguish and with trouble and hurt and heartache. So that even the most awesome treasure can sometimes lead to some of the most awful trauma imaginable as well. In verses 22 through 35 of Luke 2, they present the baby to God at the temple in Jerusalem. And Simeon once again confirms by the Holy Spirit that this is the long awaited Christ child. But at the same time, he also gives Mary solemn warning. He gives her solemn warning that there is going to be some awful trauma that will accompany this awesome treasure as he tells her that a sword will pierce her own soul as well. Look with me in verses 27 and following of Luke 2. So he, that is Simeon, as well as Mary, marveling, verse 33, at those things which were spoken of him. They're marveling again. They've got this awesome treasure, this, this child, and all these awesome, wonderful things are being said about this, this child that was born through miracle that the angel had announced, and, and so they're, they're, they're listening to these things, but, but then Simeon goes on to bless them, and he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. There is going to be some awful trauma that is going to also be a part of this awesome treasure you see the world gets caught up in some unbiblical human hype surrounding Mary some religions go totally overboard with who Mary was and in sight of that sometimes though we tend to go the opposite direction we tend to lose sight of some very real and honest biblical things about her According to Herbert Lockyer in his book, All the Women of the Bible, he says, as a name, Mary is related to the Old Testament Miriam or Mara, the name Naomi used to describe her affliction, as well as the name of the bitter water reached by the Israelites in their wilderness journeys. The original sense of these root forms of the name Mary is that of bitterness derived from the notion of trouble or sorrow. Mary's name signaled or came from a root that meant trouble or sorrow. And it didn't take Mary long to live up to that name. As Some of the awful trauma and sorrow that would accompany her awesome treasure began to set in. Can you imagine? Sound asleep in the middle of the night and all of a sudden her husband reaches over and wakes her and says we got to run we've got to run you'll recall how joseph had a dream and god told him that he had to take up the baby and the child and leave because Herod was going to seek the baby's life. And, and it says, and when he awoke, they got up. Under the cover of darkness, they take off. Can you imagine your spouse waking you up in the middle of the night and saying, I've had a dream from God. We've got to get, up, get dressed and get out of here. We've got to just run and leave everything behind. That's some of the trauma that Mary faced, Matthew 2, 13 through 14. As a good Jewish girl, she was going to be forced now as they fled to Egypt to try to raise her toddler son in a pagan foreign culture a culture that was in the land that their ancestors God had led out of Egypt and now she's having to go to Egypt for her own safety but again we know that this was all in the plan of God from the very beginning he knew beforehand what was going to happen Matthew 2 14 and 15 Can't imagine the sword that must have pierced Mary's own soul as at some point she must have heard about the very place that she had fled from and Herod's butchers coming in and killing all of those little children, those boys, two years old and under, trying to eradicate her son and how her heart must have ached and her heart must have been pierced when she heard of all those mothers, maybe some of whom she'd known who had lost their children to Herod's soldiers because they were looking for her son. Matthew 2, 16 through 18. We know the story when Jesus turned 12 in Luke two forty one and following. <clears throat> His parents come up to celebrate the Passover at Jerusalem. After the feast is over, they go back home, they're gone a day. For they realize that he's not in the little company that they're traveling with. If you want to see a look of horror, all you got to do is be standing in Walmart when some mother has some two or three year old that all of a sudden she can't find because she turned to look at something and the child is gone. They're gone a day and they can't find their son. They return to Jerusalem. And scripture tells us it was three days. Three days, three three days. Can you imagine three days wondering where your 12-year-old is? He's lost. You don't know where he is. Yes, there were swords that pierced her own soul. We would read in Luke chapter 2, if you'd follow me there, beginning at verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Let's talk about a sword piercing your own soul. Here's your 12 year old boy and Mary says to him, your father and I have been seeking you. And he says, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? In effect, Joseph isn't my father, God is. Now we know that's true. But the pain for somebody that doesn't understand that, if your own kids disown you, that is a terribly deep and tragic pain. Wasn't that he necessarily disowned him, but he made it clear that his father was God. It is somewhere about this time, we don't know when, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it is somewhere a little after this, it is believed by most, that another sword struck their humble home. As Mary, probably age 29, 30, or thereabouts, probably buried her husband, Joseph. And Jesus became the head of the house, the carpenter, the son of Mary, as he's called in Mark 6 and verse 3. She becomes a widow quite probably at a very young age. The awful trauma associated with this awesome gift surely had to continue the day that he left that humble home to be about his ministry. And as far as we know from the scripture, as far as we know from the scripture, he never returned to grace the doorway of his home again. That is his home there with Mary. And as for Mary, the swords kept coming and they kept cutting and they kept piercing. As it seemed that whenever he saw her from then on, up until the cross at least, he in some way, as Lockyer puts it, repelled her in some way. Although his referring to her as woman in John 2, you remember the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee, he refers to her as woman. Although that wasn't meant to be disrespectful, his addressing her that way instead of his mother had an implication. And that implication was that from then on, she must not seek to interfere with his carrying out his father's mission. As you consider the heartaches of Mary and the swords that, that pierced her soul continually, the awful trauma that she went through as a result of this awesome treasure of giving birth to Jesus. In Luke four, we know the story, Luke four, hometown, it's where he was raised. After he returns, he, he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath and everybody is speaking graciously of him and, and he stands up and he reads from the scripture and it must have been this awesome thing this awesome thing, hometown boys come back and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and, and, and they were telling what, what a marvelous guy he was and all of that. It must have been a good homecoming. Mom was more than likely there, maybe some of his brothers, some of the kids he grew up, we don't know, but there, there must have been some. I mean, it was his hometown. And all of a sudden, Jesus says some things that causes the leaders of that synagogue to want to throw him off a cliff. All of the hope that Mary more than likely had and all of a sudden it's dashed, and people started talking about this Jesus in a very negative way in his own hometown. A sword must have pierced her own soul later when she came to get him. There were people in Mark 3 and verse 21 who was, well, let's turn there. Turn to the one in Mark. Mark 3 and verse 21. In Mark 3, verse 21... You see, some of his own people hearing about some of the things he taught and they went to lay hold of him for they said he's out of his mind. Moms, how do you like it if the local townspeople and the people that you've known for years are saying your son is insane. Your son is out of his mind. Something has to be done. In fact, something is done a little bit later on. You look down through Mark chapter 3 and you get down to about verses 31 and following. Then his mother and his brothers came. They came to get him. They came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? What if you're his mother? What if you're his brothers? He says, Let me tell you. He looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. And we understand the implication of that reading it today. But what if your mom's standing outside? And they, and, and they tell him, she's here and your brothers are here. And he said, no, these are my and, and again, we understand the implication. Jesus not trying to be mean. But sword after sword, cut after cut, Lockyer said, So the distance between Mary and her son widens, and the piercings of the sword which old Simeon had prophesied were keenly felt. Although all generations were to call Mary blessed, and yet privileged and highly favored beyond all members of the human family, here was a bitter cup of sorrow she was compelled to drink. Mary's deepest sword piercing came When, in agony, as she stood beneath that old rugged cross and witnessed the degradation, the desolation, and the death of the son she had brought into the world and intensely loved, she heard the blasphemies. She heard the reviling of the priests and the people. But her faith did not die. That's the key of this whole sermon but her faith did not die after all that she had been through yes the awesome treasure treasured these things in her heart and and, and yes this awful trauma of these these swords piercing her own soul and, and all that she went through but her faith did not die no matter how rough it got that is the key standing at the foot of the cross you know we look to the cross when we, when we partake of communion and we think of Jesus on the cross We know he's our savior. But moms, what if that was your son as well? Mary knew what that felt like. Standing at the foot of the cross with a sword piercing her own heart, her own soul, and her own mind, just as surely as the nails pierced the flesh of the son of her faith and hope and love and body, She did not surrender her trust in God and that's what I want you to take with you more than anything else tonight. She did not surrender her trust in God, even in the worst of traumas, nor did she stop wanting to be around God's people, Christ's disciples. She went to live in the home of the Apostle John from that day forward. And after Jesus was resurrected from the dead three days later, when the disciples gathered in Jerusalem, after he had appeared to them over a period of 40 days and then ascended back to heaven, Acts 1, 1 through 11, we not only see Mary, but we see his brothers right there amongst the 120 disciples in the upper room, right alongside the Lord Jesus Christ Apostle, she's still with the faithful. To turn there, Acts chapter 1. She's still there. She hasn't given up her faith, no matter what she's gone through. Acts chapter 1. Verse 14. We know, well, let me start in verse 12, after Jesus' ascension. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. When they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers key verse key verse she's still right in the midst of the faithful and his brothers who didn't believe in him at first according to John 7 they're there too more than likely at least in part because of Mary's influence I'm not sure quite how to say this but I'm gonna take a stab at it anyway. In my mind from everything I see in the scriptures regarding Mary can't say that that this is going to be absolutely 100% fact because the Bible doesn't say hey this is 100% fact but in my opinion based on what I know of Mary, based on what the scriptures do say, I believe that there is a pretty good chance that Mary was more than likely One of those 3,000 that day who were baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And that she will be in heaven with us forever. And here's why. Here's why I believe that. Because any such faithful, godly woman who would say to the angel so long ago, after he had explained what was going to happen to her and all of the potential there was there for pain and heartache for the rest of her life, who would say to that angel, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. Any godly faithful woman who would say that would seem to me to have no problem whatsoever with gladly receiving God's other messenger, Peter's word, by repenting and being baptized for the forgiveness of her sins and becoming one of those 3,000 souls added to the Lord's church that day by God Himself, and then continuing steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Now, I do know this if, if, if indeed, can't prove it, you don't have to buy it, but if indeed Mary is one of those who is in heaven with us forever it's not going to be for any other reason than because of her faith and obedience to the gospel just like everybody else because that's the only way anybody gets there either way won't it be wonderful to go to heaven where the awful trauma of this life will be behind us because God will wipe away every tear from our eyes There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, because the former things will have passed away, Revelation 21, 4. For us who obey the gospel, for all who do obey the gospel, that is the the incredible and irreversible promise of our God for us for eternity. To those who continue to trust and remain faithful to him, for those who continue to trust and remain faithful to him through through their receiving an awesome treasure from his hand, such as our salvation, that's an awesome treasure, right? We have, an awesome, we have the most awesome treasure. And then enduring the awful trauma, which so often accompanies it, you know, sometimes because we're Christians and trust God, we go through some awful trauma. But those who receive that awesome treasure and then go through that awful trauma, faithfully obeying God, will then receive number three, the absolute triumph, the absolute triumph, which God has promised to and reserved for all of those who will love and trust him and be faithful to him even throughout every other part of that equation. You know, that's a pattern. And, and I use it, obviously, this time of year to, to talk about Mary. But really, the point is, is to set up this, this equation. Awesome treasure that we have. Awful trauma that sometimes accompanies it. But the absolute triumph that we have in Christ. That's a pattern. It's a pattern that we not only see in Mary's life, it's a pattern that Peter talked about. Peter was very clear. This is the pattern. This is the process. Look with me, if you will, as we get ready to close in 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at this pattern. This is a pattern we need to be aware of and I I wanted to use Mary's life to kind of show this to us. 1 Peter chapter 1. Very familiar passage, but remember the three keys. Awesome treasure, awful trauma, absolute triumph. That's the pattern. Verses three through five, we have an awesome treasure. First Peter, one, three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Isn't that an awesome treasure? That's ours. However, with the awesome treasure sometimes there comes awful trauma. Verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Which brings us then to verses eight and nine, our absolute triumph. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Awesome treasure, awful trauma absolute triumph. That is the pattern, that is the process, that is the progression. Where are you along that journey? If you have never received that awesome treasure, to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven, if you've never received that awesome treasure. The forgiveness of your sins through the blood of Jesus Christ by your obedience to the gospel being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That awesome treasure is waiting for you tonight. All you've got to do is claim it. If you've done that but you're now in the process of experiencing some of the awful trauma in your life that accompanies being a Christian sometimes there's isolation sometimes old friends don't want anything to do with you sometimes all kinds of things you're disinvited or you're spoken evil of because of your Christianity there's some trauma that goes with it if that's where you are tonight and you need the prayers of the church to help get you through it we would love to pray for you but either way remember this absolute triumph awaits those who received God's awesome treasure and then through whatever awful trauma they go they keep on trusting God they don't let go of God they hang on to God no matter what it costs them they hang on to God no matter what they are going through if that is the case they can rest assured that absolute triumph awaits them as they continue to trust God. Where are you along that three element journey tonight? If there's any way we can be of assistance to help you to be in a little better place along that way, we would love to do so as we stand and sing.